who are some of the established veteran names across the NFL that the Miami Dolphins should potentially consider picking up the phone and calling to inquire about via trade in the coming weeks? That is the subject of today's episode of Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Today is Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. And today on the show, we are continuing our table setting for the 2023 Dolphins Blueprint Series, which will run next week. That Blueprint Series is free agency, salary cap, strategy, mock draft, potential player trades, 53-man roster. If I were the GM, what my proposal would be like on what this Dolphins team can look like for the start of the 2023 season. Anything and everything pertaining to team building, we're going to dive into it. Well, who am I? I'm Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, the co-founder of the Draft Network. So this is kind of my my vibe, right? Like this is this is what I really have a lot of fun doing, putting the GM hat on taking the deep dive into uh, team building in general and putting it through the lens of the Dolphins. Uh, So we're kind of introducing bits and pieces throughout the course of this week in the midst of Combine Week, uh, the NFL Combine taking place this week in Indianapolis. So we're going to dive in. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Um, the process to collect this list. Uh, so I have a list of names. I have a grand total of, I'm not going to do the math off the cuff here. 10, 22 names in total that I have. That if I were the Dolphins, I would at least consider picking up the phone and asking. And this was um, the last part of this process. This was inspired in part by the Jalen Ramsey Dolphins Galaxy Brain. PFF says, send send two twos to the Rams for Jalen Ramsey in spite of the fact that Jalen Ramsey has a $17 million uh, salary cap hit for this upcoming year. He has $57 million across three seasons remaining on his deal. Knowing what the Dolphins' salary cap layout looks like and wanting to get some other names at positions of need for the Dolphins. So there's no quarterbacks in here. There's no wide receivers in here. If anything, the Dolphins are looking to offload Cedric Wilson this offseason based on the uh, presence of Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and Cedric Wilson's salary cap. Hit being what it is. So what I have done is I have collected, as of earlier this week, a snapshot of where every team is in the NFL in their salary cap space. The objective here is simple. I wanted to collect the bottom half of the league. And I'll read you those teams as of the time of of doing this content. The Green Bay Packers, the Philadelphia Eagles, 
the Pittsburgh Steelers, the New York Jets, the Carolina Panthers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Dallas Cowboys, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Cleveland Browns, the LA Rams, the Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills, the LA Chargers, the Minnesota Vikings, the New Orleans Saints, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Those are the bottom 16 teams in the NFL as of Tuesday of this week for their respective salary cap space available to them. I can tell you 13 of those teams are in the red. So to get cap compliant, you have to be able to do a number of different things. You have to be able to restructure contracts. You have to be able to shed bad contracts. You can trade players. And I looked through these rosters at the Dolphins' positions of need, their primary positions of need, running back, tight end, offensive line, corner, safety, linebacker, and I did put interior defensive lineman down there another just because there is one player who I think might not get a second deal with their team but would be a great fit for the Dolphins and, and threw him on here just because. But I, I don't think there's any imminent um, opportunity. I think the vast majority of, those name, of these names, there's probably not imminent opportunity, but sometimes imminent opportunities aren't what you're waiting for. You're waiting for a spontaneous moment or a spontaneous phone call. So these trades, these trade names are not players that I am saying are definitively on the trade market, uh, but they're players that would make sense for their respective teams to entertain trades for when you look at the juncture of the team, their salary cap, what other talent they have on the roster, what their long-term spending forecast looks like, and so on and so forth. Mike Isecki would have been on this list last year. Uh, if another team was doing this exercise and looking at the Dolphins roster, for example. These are names that, to varying degrees, uh, I think are all touchable for the Dolphins with the draft capital that they currently have. I don't think there's any players here that would command a first-round pick based on their age, cost, contract status, so on and so forth. There's a lot of one-year deals. Uh, there's only a handful of players that have more than one year remaining on their current contract. And a couple of them are at devalued positions such as running back or linebacker. But I wanted to have this list of names to say, hey, if I'm a general manager, if I'm Chris Greer, and I am putting together the roster, I'm asking myself, is a third-round pick spent on player X from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers worth more to me on a two-year deal for $26 million than a second round draft selection based on how the board will or won't fall or how we assess the draft class. Does that make sense? So I'm looking at the teams, I'm looking at their rosters, looking at their salary cap situations, trying to find those players who it might be beneficial for them to move on from for cost perspective or to get younger. And it might help me because I'm getting a more competitive player in my competitive window if I can make the dollars work. The nice thing about trading for existing NFL contracts is the only guarantee money that you would ever incur is guaranteed base salary. There's no prorated money. You're not bringing on any signing bonus, BS, or any of that stuff. These are very cut and dry contracts. So this is something I think the Dolphins should entertain. And of course, they've entertained this with Bradley Chubb and Tyree Kill. They've done this. They have done this. 
They have shown us that they are willing to live in this world. And heck, in the sense of of Tyreek Hill and, and Bradley Chubb, they got two players in the prime of their careers. Now, I don't see a lot of prime of their career players on the list that I have assembled. They're, they're players who are more late stage 20s uh, and 30s. But there are some impact players on this list. And the objective here is to look at the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball at the names that I've identified that I would pick up the phone and at least call. Can't hurt to call, right? So that is what we're going to do next on the show. We're going to start on the offensive side of the ball. But before we do, very excited to talk to you about our friends over at FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, super easy to use, and then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, everything in between. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at bigger payouts with same-game parlays, so don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So the offensive side of the ball. I have three running backs written down that I would at least call and inquire about. Alvin Kamara from the New Orleans Saints, Dalvin Cook of the Minnesota Vikings, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire of the Kansas City Chiefs. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is on a one year is on the last year of his rookie deal. It's worth two million dollars. This would be a late draft pick, if anything. The other two, their cap hit for twenty twenty three is eleven million dollars apiece. Their contracts are almost identical. Alvin Kamara has three years, $37 million remaining on his deal. Dalvin Cook has three years, $36 million remaining on his deal. Both owed $11 million in cash this year. That's what the Dolphins would be responsible for. It's fully non-guaranteed money, however. Kamara has some off-the-field issues stemming from an incident in Las Vegas uh, that may cost him a portion of the season. And that probably hurts the case for the Saints getting anything of significance. Now, the Saints are, again, they're $30 million in the red. They've been restructuring contracts. They did Ryan Ramschak already. They did their kicker, Will Lutz, already. Uh, They've kind of positioned themselves to lock in again. But Kamara is one of the players who I don't know what the long-term future looks like. I think he'd be a great weapon in the Dolphins' offense, just like Dalvin Cook would be a great rusher in the Dolphins' offense. Um, But the cost makes it pretty hard to swallow. So if I'm the Dolphins and I'm calling either one of these two teams, I'm inquiring about you keeping some of the salary on your books, too. Um, I would not give more... If I had to take the full $11 million, I, I don't think you're looking at anything more than a third round back for or a third round pick for either player from any team, not just the Dolphins. Now, if you could get half of this dollar amount off of my books as the team that's taking them, you'd probably get an offer for the, the higher of the two threes that the Dolphins have. 
And then know, you know you can get out of this contract at any point if the salary cap space gets rough, or you can restructure the deal and build yourself a runway. Would I actively be trying to trade for either player? No. But in a room that has no running backs under contract right now, I'm, a, I'm certainly at least calling and inquiring. Interestingly enough, I did not find a single tight end on any of the teams in the back half of the NFL and salary cap space. Not a single tight end that I thought made sense as a potential trade target. So that's going to have to be free agency, and that's going to have to be the draft. I did find two offensive tackles that I think are interesting. Uh, one of them is Los Angeles Rams offensive tackle Joe Nobu. He's played guard. He's played tackle. The Rams signed him to a big money contract last offseason. He has two years, $28.5 million remaining on that deal. So it's about $14 million per. He's owed $13.5 million in cash this year. Again, this is fully non-guaranteed money for the Dolphins' perspective. The Rams were a disaster in just about every way. Murphy's Law took effect for this team. Anything that could go wrong did go wrong. 13.5, like the running backs in Kamara and, and Dalvin Cook, is a price point that I'm probably not overly comfortable with. I think there is a conversation we have about the other offensive tackle that I found, and that's uh, Chukwumo Okorafor from the Pittsburgh Steelers, plays right tackle. He's owed $10 million this year. He has two years, 18 and three-quarter million dollars remaining on his deal. So it's less than $9.5 million per season. 10 this year, 8.75 next year. If you strike out in free agency, because let's, let's be honest, I'll, I'll go ahead and pull up the, the names that I have for offensive tackles. It's not pretty. Offensive tackles scheduled to hit free agency. You have quality starters in Orlando Brown Jr., Kayla McGarry, and Andrew Wiley. That's it. You have adequate starters scored in uh, Mike McGlinchey, Isaiah Wynn, Trey Pipkins, Juwan Taylor, George Fant, Cameron Fleming. That's it. So for 32 teams, 64 starting tackles, you have nine adequate starters or better currently scheduled to hit free agency. And I can tell you one thing about the Steelers, they're picking at 17. They're going to be in the sweet spot to draft an offensive tackle. I would at least inquire. Because I know I'm bringing in $18 million across two seasons. I can redistribute that money however I feel is necessary. You'd certainly like to have a little bit more flexibility with your draft capital. Obviously, having the two, the two threes. Now, can you in the interim get something for a Emmanuel Agba or a Cedric Wilson? That would be a pick that would interest the Steelers. I don't know. But that would be a player I'd be interested in trying to make something happen on account of if I strike out in free agency. The other name, the other names, I should say, on the offensive side of the ball, there's a lot of interior offensive linemen that were identified, seven in total. So I had five running backs, tight ends, and offensive tackles combined that I found that I thought were sensible trade partners. Seven interior offensive linemen with varying degrees of commitments. I think between the Cleveland Browns, both guards and Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio, they're getting a little older. 
Um, the Browns just re-upped Jack Conklin's contract. They have two big money contracts in both the guards and Teller and Batonio. And their left tackle, Jedrick Wills, is in a, getting ready to go into his contract year is going to need a fresh contract. You can have four big money contracts on the offensive line. It's a tough ask. If not, I'm looking at Joel Batonio. Three years, $30.3 million left on that deal. He's owed $11 million this upcoming season. That would be of interest to me in a very big way. To be completely honest. Because you can redistribute the money. You can restructure and get $10 million, approximately $10 million of his salary as a signing bonus and put a void year on the back end of that. And his cap hit this year goes to $3.5 million. Now, you'd have to trade probably your two for Joel Petonio, if we're being honest. And maybe maybe you get a day three pick back. But a Joel, is Joel Petonio with a contract restructure and less than $5 million in cap space worth more to you than the 51st overall pick in the NFL draft when you don't know what's going to be there. And you have effectively, that, that contract with three years, $30 million, is roughly equivalent to a first-round draft choice from an economic standpoint. I think Tua Tungvalu is four-year deal was four years, $35 million fully guaranteed as a top 10 pick, whatever, right? Like it's equivalent to a rookie contract for a pro bowl caliber guard. Of course, the Browns have to be willing to play ball. But I think what's interesting is the Browns uh, are very devoid of draft capital because they traded for Deshaun Watson. So that might be of great interest to them to replenish, especially at the expense of a 32-year-old guard. It would be a phone call that I would make. And more so than Kamara and Cook and Edwards Hilaire and Okor 4 and Nopalum like Okor 4s and in case of emergency break glass, like if we strike out in free agency and we feel we need to get something, like all of those names are mild to me. Betonio, I'd be pretty assertive with if I had a chance to do it and the Browns were interested in playing ball. I do think Teller's a better player. Teller's younger. Uh, but Teller's on a three-year $51 million contract versus three years 30 as far as remaining dollars. So I don't think that, that the sales point is quite as good there with Teller uh, because you're taking on an extra $7 million per season across three seasons. For the Dolphins in their cap situation, it's, it's not super flexible. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson with the Jets is another name that I had had circled. Now, that's that's $13 million per season. Um, 13.1 in cash owed this year. Uh, that was a player that the Dolphins were in the market on. They ultimately passed because of the price. Because of the price, I think he's probably too far priced out for, for where Miami's at. I think the Jets would need to eat some money. I don't think they're going to be super keen to play ball with, an, with a divisional rival. Um, two guards on another team, the Saints. Andrus Pete and Cesar Ruiz. Uh, I know Ruiz was a player that the Dolphins reportedly had eyes for um, back in that 2020 draft. And Pete, uh, Ruiz is on the last year of his rookie deal. That's that's $4 million. So one year, $4 million for, for Cesar Ruiz. Uh, the performance hasn't necessarily been there. 
But that, again, is another player that is much more economically friendly and you get him on a one-year deal and the impact, if if you trade your sixth-round pick for Cesar Ruiz or if you trade a three and get a five back, the impact of Cesar Ruiz would probably far surpass that of whatever player you're picking at 84 in the draft. Uh, Andrews Pete, two years, $24 million effectively in remaining money. It's probably probably outpricing uh, versus performance. If you're getting into $10 plus million, you better be getting a Pro Bowl caliber player like a Joel Batonio. And I think Joel Batonio on the offensive side of the ball, um, now Kamara and Cook are that caliber of players, but Kamara's availability is going to be in question with some off-the-field issues. And uh, Dalvin Cook, the, the question is, is a draft pick plus the dollars worth more than just bringing back Raheem Mostert and signing somebody else in free agency? I'm, I'm inclined to think no. But again, if, if the dollars make sense, you can make the dollars move, then you can make the dollars move. Two other names for guards, the last two names that I, w- I would be calling teams to inquire about. Uh, Matt Filer, uh, one year, $6.5 million, uh, would be an interesting left guard option. I know he he's kind of been marginalized by the Chargers between the drafting of Zion Johnson and uh, Rayshon Slater and, and Corey Lindsley in free agency. So Matt Filer is uh, he's a utility guy, positional flex. One year, six million dollars, six and a half million dollars. I think that's a a marginal, marginally interesting path to take. I think he's probably mid day three pick valuation. Would not be surprised if he's cut if they don't get anything for him. And then Shaq Mason with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, one year's eight and a half million dollars. This is a quality starter. Uh, so, the, so the, again, that, that kind of puts you in a stratosphere where my ears perk up a little bit. I'm a little bit more interested in, in paying a reasonable price. Uh, if I know I'm getting a quality starter, the interesting thing about Shaq Mason is Shaq Mason was traded to the bucks last year, on March 18th, 2022, uh, the draft pick that was sent back, the Buccaneers sent a, fifth round pick in 2022 for Shaq Mason. Can a six get him on the last year of his deal? When you sent a five and got a year out of him? Eight and a half million dollars. It's a one year deal. So it's easily digestible. I could tell you right now with the, uh, if you're worried about cap space, the current place I have the dolphins in cap space uh, with a 53-man roster projection, for which we will go over in its entirety next week, is, is about $23 million in space. Now, I max restructured Tyreek. I max restructured uh, Bradley Chubb. The team won't have to do that. But they could if they want to, and they can get themselves to that point. Now, some of that money is untouchable because it's post-June 1 cut uh, dollars, so it, it might not be immediately tapped into at the start of free agency, but you, you could acquire Shaq Mason and, and bring that dollar amount in and, and have plenty of flexibility to work with, especially when you consider that $23.5 million includes a free agent signing on a two-year $6 million deal. So, some interesting names. Uh, I think of all the names that we've invoked here, Shaq Mason and Joel Batonio would be the two that I would actively call. 
and actively shop for it. Now, I would call and check in on all the other names, Kamara and Cook and Edward Solaire and Okorafor and Opum and Pete and Ruiz and Filer and Tomlinson and, and Teller. But I think from a price, cost, performance perspective and motivation to move them, Shaq Mason of the Bucks and Joel Batonio of the Browns are the two that I would most actively be interested in, in trading uh, draft selection for. It's time for the defensive side of the ball. We have less names here. And one of these names is kind of just thrown in. I don't want to say for no reason, but he's thrown in here because he's in the last year of a rookie contract. And I do think the Dolphins need a different player than what they currently have in this spot. It's an interior defensive line spot. And it's Derek Brown of the Carolina Panthers. He's a first-round pick. He's a top-ten pick for the Panthers back in 2020. 2020, 2021, Yeah, do a little math here off the top of my head. Yeah, the 2020 draft. One year, $7.5 million. Derek Brown being a bigger body presence, who I think is more explosive. He had a nice breakthrough this past year. The question is, is Carolina going to continue to spend? Uh, the Panthers are minus $2.5 million in cap space right now. They can get out of that no problem, but they're in the running for Derek Carr. Are they going to sign Derek Carr and put their cap situation in a tough spot? If they are, Derek Brown might, be, might not be a part of the long-term plans. They've made coaching staff changes. They made GM changes in the last two years. Like There's, there's a lot of stuff in flux with the Panthers. I'd call. You guys keeping Derek Brown? Yes? Okay. Click. No? Okay. Well, what's the cost here? I'd at least inquire. I know interior defensive line's not super high up on anybody's radar for the Dolphins, but it is for me. I have five linebackers, and then I have four defensive backs. Uh, I had five defensive backs, but one of them, it was just reported on Tuesday, John Johnson, the safety of the Browns, is, is going to be waived at the start of the league calendar year. I would like to sign him. I think he would be a great addition to the Dolphins because he was on my list for players to call and inquire about trading back. Uh, Demario Davis with the Saints, starting at linebacker. I'll read you all the names. Demario Davis from the Saints. Eric Kendricks and Troy Dye from the Vikings. Shaq Thompson from the Panthers. And C.J. Mosley from the New York Jets. Now, Mosley's dollars are dumb. Like, very stupid. I'd be interested in having C.J. Mosley play linebacker for the Dolphins, but not in this contract. So, again, in the same way that Lake and Tomlin says, like, yeah, I'd love to have you, but the Jets, you're probably going to have to eat half the money. They're not going to do it. I can call and ask. You're going to tell me no. It's fine. You're not going to hurt my feelings. But the only way I would call now, if C.J. Mosley gets cut, because he's owed $34 million in cash over the next two seasons, which is crazy, I'm going to call C.J. and his agent up. I'm go about it that way. But if I can get the Jets to, to, to twist if they wanted to draft pick, I'd call. I know the answer's no. That's fine. Uh, Shaq Thompson, one year, $13 million. I think that price point is probably outside of uh, realistic outcomes. Now, you could extend him. You could extend any player that you bring in, but you could extend him on the last year of his deal and take that 13 and make it a signing bonus, and he's not taking a pay cut, and you'll kick it out over a couple of seasons and buy yourself some runway and and really, 2023 and 2024 is kind of where it is oddly tight. 
and then it opens up a lot in 2026 or in 2025 as far as cap flexibility and who you want to have commitments to. So you're not really worried beyond 2024, making the next two years work and maximizing your competitive window over the next two years. Uh, Troy dies on the last year of his contract, $1.01 million. Remember, the Vikings played with uh, Donatel as the defensive coordinator last year. Donatel's super tight with Vic. Kendricks is also in the last year of his deal. That's $9.5 million. Kendricks is an awesome player. He's been an awesome player for the Vikings for a long time. If you were going to say, we want a quality starter plus at stack linebacker, but we don't want to pay Tremaine Edmonds $16 million a season, and we don't want to pay uh, Levante David $15 million a season, and we're concerned about Bobby Wagner getting 12 plus again, call about Eric Kendricks. Now, I think right now it's easier to just, I think Bobby Wagner is going to end up in the same stratosphere. He signed for five for 50 with the Rams. I'm inclined to think he's going to be in the same strike zone. Now, I think technically Bobby Wagner goes on this list, and that was four for 40. So I think the long-term commitment to Bobby is probably going to scare any team off from actually trading for him, in which case then, then he, he will be cut, and you'll just be able to negotiate with him. Uh, but Demario Davis at eight and a half. What's tough is, is the year two for him is 12. He's got two years, $20 million, $20.5 million left on his deal. He's owed $8.5 million in cash this year, which means it's $12 million next year. But he, he is an excellent three-down linebacker um, as well. I think the challenge for Davis and Kendricks is they are guys who are, are aging a little bit, and they have one with athleticism. I think Troy Dye would really be somebody now – I'm conflicted about what Troy Dye's value would be on the market as far as a trade, the trade market. On one hand, he's a young player. He's a budding player. On the other hand, the Vikings just drafted Brian Osmo in the third round of last year's draft to take some of those opportunities. And he's in a contract year. Well, but I think Troy Dye in the third round, having played in this exact system, is probably a more impactful linebacker than any linebacker you're going to pull other than potentially, like I think Henry Tooto with the Alabama uh, defense and how they, they zone match uh, would have some overlap and make some sense. I know Dion Henley's an exciting player for his pass coverage abilities as well, and he should be had in the second or third round. But man, like if, if the pick is right, if you send me... Troy Dyan is six for Emmanuel Agba. Like, does that get it done? I remember Brian Flores is the DC there now in Minnesota. Surely he'd love to, to reunite with Agba. So the Dolphins would have a cap relief from uh, Emmanuel Agba coming off the books. They'd be getting a player back at a position of need. They'd be getting an, an additional draft selection late on day three. So the challenge there is the Vikings are going to have to make their, their salary cap work first. And it's hard to let the $1 million player go versus potentially the $9 million player go on Eric Kendricks. But hey, if you want to send Eric Kendricks in exchange for Agba and, and do a late pick swap or something like that, like I think we can make that work as well. Minnesota would be a team to watch, in my mind, 
for some of these defensive guys just because flow's there now. Jalen Ramsey is on this list. Uh, the dollars are 17 this year, uh, 57 in total across three seasons. I certainly am not sending two twos for Jalen Ramsey when the the price point of what the Dolphins are going to have to eat in Byron Jones' dead money, Xavier Howard over the next two years is $35 million in cap space. Uh, Byron Jones is, you're accelerating all the dead money, but if you go post June 1, uh, you can take about $5 million in dead cap this year, but then it's $10 million in dead cap in 2024. So it's just, the dollars don't make sense for Jalen Ramsey. I'm sorry, they don't. Not the, the secondary is so expensive right now. Now, I did find a couple of, I won't say bargain options, but cheaper options in the secondary that might make some sense. Uh, Michael Davis with the Chargers. Uh, he was the player who pressed up on Tyreek Hill at stretches against uh, the Dolphins in the, the Sunday night football game earlier this year. Uh, he is one year left on his deal at $7.4 million. Big, long corner, uh, very physical. Uh, and then Akello Witherspoon with the Steelers. There's been some durability issues there, but he's got one year, four years remaining left on his deal. But I think those are two players who, from a build, length, ball skills perspective, I'd be pretty interested in in pursuing as compared to getting into the rat race with the corners and free agency, uh, especially Davis. Remember, the Brandon Staley, it's another too high Fangio-esque type system. And Ronaldo Hill was the DC there in, with the Chargers, and he left to be the defensive passing game coordinator for the Dolphins. There's a connection and a relationship there. And then Darnell Savage at safety with the Packers is the last name that I have that I called out. Former first-round pick, owed $7.9 million this year. It's the last year of his deal. He took a step back this past year, struggled with some injuries, uh, but really dynamic player, capable of playing in the slot, capable of playing high, capable of playing in zone. Uh, very, very twitchy athlete. Kind of reminded me of Dax Hill, who got drafted by the Bengals in the first round of last year's NFL draft. Um, I, that, that's a player who I, th I think could really complement Javon Holland quite well uh, and then free Brandon Jones up to, to not have to live on the roof. So Derek Brown, I call, no expectations. Uh, these linebackers, I think between DeMario Davis, Eric Hendricks, Troy Dye, you could really find somebody that, that would make a big impact for you, and I don't think the, the finances are crazy for any of them. Uh, I'd call and inquire about Shaq Thompson and C.J. Mosley, but I'd be looking for their teams to cut money. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, you got to entertain it, but the, the dollars don't make sense in my mind. Uh, Michael Davis, Chargers, Akella Witherspoon, Steelers. I'm not trading a whole lot there with the injury questions and then Darnell Savage on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, that gives you about 20 names or so uh, that I would at least be calling and inquiring about. Uh, that if I had to pick two names, one from each side of the ball that I'm most interested in, it's Joel Batonio at guard for the Browns. And it's probably, probably Michael Davis at corner for the Chargers. Those Vikings linebackers are very interesting to me as well, and so is Darnell Savage. So uh, we'll see what Chris Greer does working the phones. Obviously, combine week this week. It's a big week to meet with other teams across the league in an informal setting and kind of talk business without, um, without having to work for it, right? Everybody's in the same spot.
There's a lot of business that's conducted in Indianapolis. So this is a critical week for the Dolphins to get some of that foundational stuff set as far as discussions and pursuing of, of potential new directions and new teams and trades and so on and so forth, which uh, we'll get rolling here before we know it. Uh, the league calendar is going to be on top of us very quickly. So make sure you hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. Fins up. I appreciate you guys checking out the show. Make it a great rest of your day, and I will talk with you all again tomorrow.